You're listening to the teaching ministry of Houston's First Baptist Church, a relevant biblical community. For more information, visit houstonsfirst.org. Well, happy Mother's Day to every one of our campuses and digital family as well. So Sienna, Cypress, downtown, Luke, such a blessing. This Mother's Day, we celebrate you, not just moms, we celebrate ladies in general to just be able to say, wow, how amazing you are, how wonderful you are, and what a blessing you are. And I want us to kick off today's, so we're going to look in just a few moments in Romans chapter 16, but I want us to hear a story. I want you to be, be told the story. We're going to watch a video in just a second of something right here in our very own church of three generations of ladies, a grandmother, a mother, and a baby, and then also two doctors that are all of those folks in our church thinking about the strength of what it takes to be a mom and what it takes to be a woman as well. So if you'll join me in looking at the screens, we're going to kick off with this. So it was my fifth pregnancy and really had had an uneventful pregnancy. It had been kind of good and smooth sailing. Brandon um, went hunting. We sent him off with my dad and brother and brother-in-law and they had a good time. Um, and we thought, it's fine, you can go, we're not worried. And the next day, it was a Friday, I was just here working and started feeling bad and I had chest pain and back pain and felt a little nauseous. Well, she was laying on the couch, which she never sits on the couch. She never sits. She's always so busy. So I thought, hmm, something's not right. So I prompted her to call the doctor. (laughs) In the middle of the night on Friday night around 2 a.m., I got a phone call from my partner, Dr. Patel. He says, James, uh, there's a pregnant woman in the emergency department who came in with chest pain, and she has some blood tests and EKG findings that are suggestive that she's having a heart attack. The question they posed to me was, should we take her for an emergency C-section to deliver the baby, or should we take her to the cardiac cath lab to determine if there's a blockage in her artery? There were really hard conversations. It was things as a physician that you never want to actually have to have that conversation with the patient. Who can we save? Can we save mom? Can we save baby? And how can we save both? I wanted to scream, what are you talking about? Of course we save the baby and we save the mom. They said, deliver the baby. Take the baby out of there so we can do whatever we need to do when we get to the cardiac cath lab. We're taking you for emergency section first. We're going to get the baby out. We think that'll relieve the stress on your body. It's my ob is amazing. She came back in when they had kind of decided on the the right clinical path and came back in and sat with me and said, okay, here's what we're doing. Okay, now let's talk about it. How are you feeling? And I said, well, I'm a little scared. And I said, well, actually I'm a lot scared. I have four kids. I had this fifth one that I knew was ready to go, a husband that I want to continue to love and support. And I was just breathing in oxygen and asking Jesus for mercy. Though B actually, to her credit, performed a very, very fast C-section. I mean, she made record time. And then all of a sudden I hear in the waiting room, the cardio waiting room, I hear this, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, oh, baby, oh my gosh, that's the baby. And so all of a sudden these silver doors open and the nurses are standing there with a big smile on their face. And we look down and there's baby Charlotte. Right after that, we were already with the table and with the equipment to do the coronary angiogram. Before her case, I definitely stopped and said a prayer over the case. When you see a pregnant woman come in with a heart attack, the most common cause of that is a, is a rare disorder called spontaneous, spontaneous coronary, coronary artery, artery dissection. dissection, or SCAD for short. In this particular issue, the teaching from our professional societies is to walk away and 90% of these will heal on their own. 
when he called me in to come and address one of the issues with her arteries, I'm driving in, initially thinking it's probably nothing major going on. One of the nurses calls and says, hey, uh, she's actually a physician that works here. I'm like, okay, I'm walking in to go into the room, and I notice I'm like, Anna Marie, oh my goodness. And so that's when I put the two and two together, <clears throat> walked in and I told James the same thing. I'm like, oh, I know her, she works here. She's a very prominent uh, physician for our system, and she's a personal friend, and she goes to First Baptist. The first thing I did was just kind of step back, take a quick prayer and ask God for his guidance for his will and, and guidance for her and her family. I wake up in the ICU, Brandon is there, which was wonderful. And then he is able to show me pictures of the kids meeting Charlotte. There was a lot of discussion about wanting to send her home because it looked like she had made it through the highest risk period. There was just a, a voice saying, we need, we need to watch her longer, not, not yet, not yet. We need to watch her a little bit longer. And that was huge for me because um, six days from the kind of original event, the dissection ended up getting worse. So I leave and within three, maybe four minutes of getting ready to rest at home, there's a text that says pray with big caps and exclamation marks. So of course I get up and go back to the hospital. Yeah, Anna Maria is very stoic and very brave and was not going to be walking on eggshells looking over her shoulder. And I, mean, I knew that if she was complaining of severe pain that something very serious uh, was going on. And I picked up the phone and I called one of the cardiac surgeons. I said, Bob, uh, what are you doing right now? I need an operating room open. We have a patient who's critical who needs to go for emergency surgery. I'm getting wheeled back and I say goodbye to Brandon and give him a kiss. Kihani shows up like out of nowhere again. And then he is holding my hand as they're wheeling me into the OR and like just, you know, brushing my head like this. It was just so comforting. I prayed with her, but just seeing her, how calm she is. I don't know if I could be in the same shoes and have the same demeanor like she had. He, they rushed her down the operating room and he performed that surgery just flawlessly. I mean, he did an outstanding job. So a lot of people probably would have looked at that case and said, there's not much I could do. But for him to have the knowledge base to say, yeah, we're gonna do something to get her off the table safely and give her a life. It just really shows me and it's made my faith stronger of how God's will is, is so strong out there. I guess I've just been through enough stuff in my life where I've learned that God really does have a plan and he's in control. And I knew he had her and she's his child and you have to surrender your kids eventually because they're his children. They're just on loan to us. All the prayers that people have offered on our behalf have been so amazing and encouraging. I'm doing well in recovery. It takes some time just to build strength back up and stamina. What a powerful story, how God put it all together and so many miracles happening in that midst, in the midst of all of that and the way that God is using that. And I just want us to continue to pray for that family as well, the Davidson family. Pray for Anna Maria, that God would continue to heal her. There's still work to be done in a sense of the Lord bringing recovery back and all of those sort of things. But on this Mother's Day, I wanted you to see this story. I wanted you to understand this story because I wanted you to feel and sense the strength of these moms. 
to sense the strength of that grandmother going through wondering what would happen to her daughter and her granddaughter, to, to sense the strength of the doctor, so prayerful, to sense the strength of Anna Maria as well, and to sense the strength of that and how God used different people in different ways to make a huge difference that baby Charlotte has no idea of what God's gonna do. And she'll be able to watch this video years later and go, wow, all of that happened? Yes, and the church prayed? Yes, all of those things. As we look into Romans chapter 16, we're going to see the strength of these ladies. If you've got your Bible, I want you to turn there. Paul goes through a list of people. We looked at the men last week, or not all of them, but a good chunk of them. And we're gonna look at some of the women this week as well. It's about 33% are ladies here that are mentioned. And so Paul is talking about these folks in Rome, the early church in Rome, to be able to say, here's some praise I wanna give you. Now, when we look at this, I want us to begin and grab your listening guide as well. I'm gonna give you four qualities of a woman, but I want you to know this is for men as well. This is for young and old, all of us, need this in our hearts. All of us need this in our lives. Look at verse one. Here we go. I commend you, our sister Phoebe, who was a servant of the church of Sincrea. You should welcome her in the Lord in a manner worthy of the saints to assist her and assist her in whatever matter she may require your help. For indeed, she has been a benefactor of many and also of me." The first thing that we get here with Phoebe is be a servant-hearted blessing to others like Phoebe. What's our first quality for the moms in the room, for the dads in the room, for those without children, young and old? Be a servant-hearted blessing to others like Phoebe. Now let's unpack this a little bit. This lady Phoebe is a servant-hearted woman. It's absolutely incredible. Now that word servant is the word diakonos. It's a Greek word, and there's much debate about this, of whether this is the office of deacon or it's the character trait of serving. Deacon means servant. And so is this a character trait of servant or is this the office? Is Paul declaring an office of deacon, office of servant for this lady? Well, if you look at uh, Acts chapter six, where you see the 12 are choosing the seven to begin the first serving of deacons in that, you can see that. And then you can look at 1 Timothy chapter three and also see the qualifications of deacons. It makes us think that here in this place, that this is more of a character trait than it is an office of the church. So she's declaring, they're declaring that she's a character trait of a servant of the church. Now, when you go through the rest of the list of all of these people here, which is like, you know, over 30 people, you'll see character traits about each one of these folks as well. And so it's a character trait thing based on Acts chapter 6 and 1 Timothy 3. We can look and see this, that she is servant-hearted and she is serving the church. She's serving. What a great blessing that is. Now, to be a servant is not something that's demeaning. To be a servant in God's economy is something that is being lifted up. So ladies, you serve your family. Husbands, dads, we serve our family as well. We are servant-hearted in what we do. So she is serving the church. And Paul says, I am so excited. I want to commend Phoebe to you because her heart is bringing servant to the church. How is she serving the church? Well, in particular in this way, she is in a little town called Sincrea. It's outside of Corinth. And that's where Paul is writing this. He's not in Rome. He's not been to Rome yet. And so here he is. She's a little bit outside and he's in Corinth and he gives Phoebe the responsibility of carrying the letter of Romans to the Roman church. Now that is an incredible moment. 
Romans is one of the greatest pieces of literature ever written. It's been said that if the Bible is a ring, then Romans is the diamond. This is a place where we get so much theology, so much great scripture, so many things to take us through life. It is a revered book. I'll give you next week as we finish up Romans, numerous quotes from numerous people about how revered Romans is. But this is a major incredible book. And he says, Phoebe, I want you to be the one to deliver this letter. Can you imagine the trust that Paul has in Phoebe? Can you imagine the strength of Phoebe? The ability that Paul says, I want you to be the one. You're gonna take it from your small little town, come to Corinth, get it from me, and you're gonna take it to Rome. And when you take it to Rome, it is going to change the world. She's gonna serve the church by taking this letter from Corinth to Rome. Now, I remember in college, my pastor went through this this, uh, uh, book of, of, of Romans. And when he got to this section, I love how he put it. It was amazing. He said, Phoebe, don't lose the letter. Don't lose the letter, Phoebe. This letter is so important. If you lose the letter, the church in Rome will not get this letter. Can you imagine Rome without Romans? If you lose the letter, Phoebe, oh, don't lose the letter. And if you lose the letter, the church at Rome, the early church won't get it. Phoebe, if you lose the letter and the church at Rome doesn't get it, then the church at Rome doesn't get it, then that means that Augustine in the 300s, he's not gonna get it. And Augustine's gotta get this letter because he's gonna shape so many thoughts. He's gonna shape so much. In the summer of 386, this is God at work. There's a child next door to Augustine where he lives and the child begins to sing a childish song, just begins to sing this song, pick up and read it, pick up and read it, pick up and read it. He sees it as a sign from God, opens up his Bible to Romans. And when he opens up his Bible to Romans and Augustine says this, a light flooded my heart and all the darkness of doubt vanished away. If if Phoebe loses the letter, then the church at Rome doesn't get the letter and the church at Rome doesn't get the letter, then Augustine doesn't get the letter in the 300s. If Augustine doesn't get the letter in the 300s, then in 1517, Martin Luther doesn't have the letter. So Phoebe's been given the letter that's gonna go to the church, to Augustine, to Martin Luther. So Phoebe's an incredible, incredible lady. So Martin Luther gets the letter in the 1500s. And he says this, I felt as if I was altogether born again and had entered paradise itself through its open gates. This is because of a new understanding of one verse, Romans 1 verse 17, and the righteous shall live by faith. And if Martin Luther doesn't get the letter, then we don't have the Protestant Reformation. And we don't have a return to faith alone in Christ alone for salvation and grace alone in Christ. Phoebe, don't lose the letter. Don't lose the letter. You're so important. Don't lose the letter, Phoebe. Because if the church doesn't get it, Augustine doesn't get it, Martin Luther doesn't get it, then John Wesley's sure not going to get it in the 1700s. And John Wesley's going to bring a revival into England in the 1700s, which is going to come over across the pond, if you will, to our United States as well. So John Wesley attended an evening service, May 24th, 1738. And a part of Martin Luther's commentary on Romans was read out loud. And John Wesley says... He was describing the change in which God works in the heart through faith in Christ. And I felt my heart strangely warmed. And then he goes on and a revival sweeps across England. Phoebe, don't lose the letter. Because if you lose the letter, Robert Moffat's not gonna get it in the 1800s. And when Robert Moffat gets it in the 1800s, he reads Romans, it's gonna radically change his life. And he's gonna say, you know what? I need to go to a place that's never really been gone to. I need to go to Africa and I need to start mission work there. And then missions for Africa opens up. Phoebe, don't lose the letter. We got a whole continent dependent on you. Don't lose the letter, Phoebe. Because if the church doesn't get it, Augustine's not gonna get it. 
Martin Luther's not going to get it. John Wesley's not going to get it. Robert Moffat's not going to get it. And Pastor Greg's not going to have anything to preach on for a whole year. Phoebe, don't lose the letter. Important, important woman from a small little town with a servant heart to be a blessing to everybody else. That Greek word of benefactor at the end of the little section there of, of uh, Romans 16 too, it says she's also been a benefactor of many and also to me. Some people believe, well, the Greek comes out that that means uh, a woman that possibly had means, that she was like a patroness. So some folks believe that she was a rich lady that was helping Paul and helping the church and she gets this letter and she gets an important job and her servant heartedness. And so I tell you this, oh mom, don't lose the letter. Don't lose the letter. What you're doing is so important. Did you know all this about Phoebe? Amazing. Do we know all that you're doing as a mom? No, we don't. Amazing. You keep at it. You keep walking with God, a woman of God, spiritual mom or biological mom. You keep walking with God and letting God do something great. So our first out of four is be servant-hearted, be a servant-hearted blessing to others. Do you remember a couple of weeks ago, we had a, a video that we had a Boston church planter that was on the video and he said something I've been thinking about. He said this, be the answer to someone else's prayer. Live a life so that you can be the answer to somebody else's prayer. Moms, you are the answer to your kids' prayers. Grandmas, you are the answers to your grandkids' prayers. Spiritual moms without children, you are the answer to someone's prayer. You and I got to walk like Phoebe, men and women, servant-hearted to be a blessing to others. The second one is this, be a hard worker like Mary. Be a hard worker like Mary. Now we're going to look at verse six in just a second. We're going to talk about Mary, but let's talk about this for a second. Be a hard worker like Mary. Look at verse six, greet Mary who has worked very hard for you. Now all of the ladies are referred to as, as working hard. Most of the men are referred to as being loved. Men worked hard, ladies were loved. There's actually, I said last week incorrectly that there was no ladies that were mentioned as loved. Well, uh, Persis, we'll see in just a bit. She said as a dear friend, which means beloved in that. So I got it wrong on that one. There is a lady, she was loved and hardworking. That was great. So here we have though, Mary in this moment. Mary in this moment, what, what Mary is it? Is this the Virgin Mary? No. Just Mary Magdalene? No. What Mary is it? We don't know. We don't know. Mary was one of the most common names in biblical times. Still a very common name. So that's why in the New Testament, we always have Mary and then declaring which Mary it is because it gets pretty confusing. So we don't know what Mary this is. Now, this isn't any of the headliner Marys from the Gospels, okay? We know it's not them. It's just Mary in Rome. Mary in Rome. Be a hard worker. Now, let me tell it to you like this. Common faith can have uncommon impact. Common faith can have uncommon impact. I want you to get this sentence. You never know the impact of routine faithfulness. You never know the impact of routine faithfulness. Men, women, students, children, you just be faithful to God. You never know what God's gonna do. And he takes this lady named Mary a common name. There's a ton. How many Marys do you think there are in Rome? How many Marys are in Rome right now? There's Marys all over the place. And Paul says, Mary worked hard for the Lord. Do you know that our church and Christian history is filled 
with unknown, unsung heroes of the faith. You know that right now, right in this very moment, there are people that church, it could not happen. It could not happen. Someone is handling the volume on the microphone right now. Someone is handling the cameras. Somebody is handling the video work. Somebody is making sure it's going to the digital family online. Somebody's making sure that it's going to the campuses. And at all the campuses, every single campuses, there's somebody that's rocking babies. And there's somebody that stood out in the rain today in the middle of the parking lot to make sure that we got a place to park. There's people that are making sure the security is right. There's people that are making sure that the coffee's hot. There's people that are making sure the bathrooms are clean. There's making sure that the life Bible study was taught well. There's people making sure that the babies are being taken care of, that God is using every single one of those people. Now, I'm getting the attention right now. I get worried, literally, in my life that I'm going to not have any jewels in my crown because I got all my attention on earth. It's the unsung heroes that God is at work throughout our church. Are you an introvert? Great, God wants to use you. Are you an extrovert? Great, God wants to use you. Are you a, a man or woman of God? Then the Holy Spirit lives inside you. God wants to you, use you. Oh, praise God for Mary. Praise God for behind the scenes hard workers. Praise God for common faithfulness that yields an uncommon result. Unsung hero of Mary. If you don't have it on your bucket list, if you hadn't already done it, you should put it on your bucket list. You should go to Washington, D.C. just as an American and be a part of all the things that are, you could see and be, be experiencing up there. And one of the places you for sure need to go is the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier. It's a powerful place. Tomb of the Unknown Soldier began to be guarded 1937 and 24-7 presence of guards there. And they guard no matter rain, sleet, or snow. So in the snow, there's still going to be a guy out there. All the tourists are gone. There's going to be somebody that's walking that path, guarding that tomb of the unknown soldier. In the rain, they're going to make sure that that rain doesn't stop them. They're still going to make sure that there's honor given to that unknown soldier. On a hot summer day, they're going to make sure they're guarding it. They got it just right. Everything is there. And here's the way it works. If you've been there, you know it's an amazing thing. They walk in just a pristine, incredible way. It looks like a robot just walking down this path. They walk 21 steps. And when they walk that path 21 steps, then they turn to the east for 21 seconds. Then they turn to the north for 21 seconds. Then they turn and they walk back down that path for 21 seconds. Why? Because it's a continual 21-gun salute to the unknown soldier. You know the inscription that's on that tomb? Here's what it says. Here rests in honored glory an American soldier known but to God. Do we have Christian roots? It's etched in stone everywhere in Washington, D.C. I submit to you, Mary is known but to God, and may she be honored. Just as that soldier is honored in our country, known but to God, you never know what God's going to do with just uncommon people, common people, whatever way to put it, with just ordinary faith, you never know what God's going to do. You and I need to not worry about who knows us, who likes us, whether we're a social media influencer or not, you be known to God and let him take care of the rest. And moms, that's you. There's so much stuff you do that we never see. Praise God for you. Thank you, Lord. I honor my mom. I honor my wife today for all the things that they do that no one knows about. And ladies and men as well, you be known to God. Number three, it's found in verse 12. This is a real interesting one. You're gonna like this one. Verse 12 Greet Tryphena and Tryphosa, who have worked hard in the Lord. 
Greet my dear friend, that's the love part. Persis, that's a lady who has worked very hard, Lord. So she gets a love and a hard work. Tryphena and Tryphosa, who are these ladies? Now I know we've got, many of you have named your kids, Tryphena and Tryphosa, so you already know this. I mean, there's not a parent commitment that goes by that we don't have a Tryphena and a Tryphosa somewhere in the midst there. I've never met a Tryphena. I've never met a Tryphosa. I've never heard of a Tryphena. I've never heard of a Tryphosa. But you're going to find out these are some pretty amazing ladies. They think that they are sisters. We don't know for sure, but we think by the names and that they're put together by Paul, that they're sisters. And so what does this mean? Well, Tryphena is an interesting name. Tryphena means this. Tryphena means dainty. And Tryphosa means delicate. So here we have as two sisters, dainty and delicate. The root word of their name, that tri part, if you were to take it into Greek, is a word that means luxuriously, luxuriously. Paul uses it in James, or excuse me, James uses it in James chapter five, verse five. And he says this, you have lived luxuriously on earth and you have indulged yourselves. So that root word is luxury, okay, dainty and delicate. So here's the thought. Either these were small little babies and they named them, what are you going to name them? Well, we're going to name this one dainty and we're going to name this one delicate because they were little bitty babies because their parents gave them their names, right? Or they came, some believe, from a socioeconomic class in which they were the wealthy class and they said, we're going to name them luxurious names. We want them to live up to these names of dainty and delicate. Now listen to what one commentator says. Two dainty women probably belonging to a class in which delicate withdrawal from effort and toil was thought to be a woman's distinctive mark. So ladies, don't, don't get your hands dirty. We're going to pull back. Dainty and delicate was thought to be possibly in their class of living a distinctive mark of a lady. But these ladies fled luxury, which tended to be self-indulgent, and chose the better part of labor in the Lord. Now listen to this sentence. Blow you away sentence. Been thinking about it all week. They had become untrue to their names because they must be true to their master and themselves. They became untrue to their names so they could be true to God and true to themselves. So delicate and dainty are said to be hardworking for the Lord. You see it, ladies? Delicate and dainty, yeah, that's, that's all great, are hardworking to the Lord. Now, ladies, let me just quickly say, it's okay to be delicate. It's okay to be dainty. That's fine. That's great. My, my mom, let me give you an illustration about my mom. When I was growing up, she said, you open the door for the ladies. Okay, that's it. Now, if you don't like that, okay, but that's how we did it in my house. And so when we got to the mall, if I opened up the door and walked through, my mom would stand outside the mall at the door. You can ask her. She's right back there. She'd stand outside at the mall and wait for me, and then I would walk in and hey, and then I would walk back to the window and be like, you know, smart aleck teenager, and she would just stand there and smile. And she would have waited, she'd have been like the tomb of the unknown soldier in the, <laughs> is what she'd have done. And she would wait until I'd come back out, and she'd open it up, uh, she'd walk, I'd open it up, and she'd walk through, and it'd be great. It's, it's great. There's, I, I think it's wonderful to treat a woman in a very chivalrous way. I think that's a blessing. I don't think it demeans you ladies at all. It gives you high respect. And so dainty and delicate, the character trait I want you to get from this is this. Remember God can do a lot with a little. Remember God can do a lot with a little. So he's gonna use these 
ladies, this dainty and delicate, he's going to use them. He's going to use them in a way that is amazingly hardworking because they're choosing eternal rewards over earthly ones. I want to show you a verse in Hebrews chapter 11. It's verse 24. It's talking about Moses, but we're talking about these ladies have chosen eternal rewards over earthly rewards, right? They've left their luxury and said, I want to be what God wants me to be. Here's what Moses Talking about Moses in Hebrews 11, verse 24. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Why? And he chose to suffer with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. For he considered reproach for the sake of Christ to be greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt. Why? Since he was looking ahead to the reward. You see it with Moses? He said, I could grow up in Pharaoh's palace but I'm going to serve God. And these ladies, maybe, we don't know, could have said, well, I'm going to grow up in the palace, but I'm going to serve God. God can do a lot with a little. Do you remember Gideon's army, how it got whittled down and God used him? Do you remember David? He only had five stones when he went after Goliath. Do you remember Jesus with five loaves and two fish feeding the multitudes? Do you remember Elisha with the widow and her flower just kept going and going and going and going? Do you remember the widow with the two mites that gave more than anybody else could have ever given? God can do a lot with a little. So when you think, well, God can't use me. I'm just Mary. God can use you. God can use you. God can use me. God can use us in a great way. But we've got to be true to our true selves with the master and true to how we really love people. So be a servant-hearted blessing to others. Be a hard worker like Mary. God can do a lot with a little. You just ask the delicate and the dainty, and they'll tell you that. And then fourth and finally, show mothers, a mother's love to someone in need like Rufus's mom did. Show mother's love, a mother's love to someone in need like Rufus's mom. Now, let me tell you who Rufus's mom is. If you were to turn to Mark chapter 15, verse 12, you would find that Simon of Cyrene, he's a guy that, do you remember when Jesus had the cross on his shoulder and he's going to Calvary and he falls down? And they say, you, take the cross. And they call a guy out of the crowd and he puts it on his back and he carries the cross of Jesus. That's Simon of Cyrene. And in Mark chapter 15, verse 12, it says that his son's name is Rufus. Rufus may be the son of the man who carried the cross for Jesus. How cool is that? So Rufus's mom is the wife of the guy that carried the cross for Jesus. How cool is that, ladies? Is that pretty, I mean, be proud of your husband on that one, right? What'd your husband do? My husband carried the cross of Christ. What'd yours do? Well, uh, <laughs> prayed to open a service. I don't know. He didn't. So Rufus's mom could be by Mark 15, 12, the wife of the man that carried the cross. So that means that Rufus's his son. Now look at what it says in verse 13. Greet Rufus. Now we know who this is. That's the son of the man who carried the cross, possibly. Chosen in the Lord. Here we go, ladies. Also on Mother's Day, also his mother and mine, Paul says. So he says, I want you to greet Rufus's mom because she's the wife of the guy that carried the cross of Christ. Pretty incredible. And I want you to greet his mother because she's also my mother. Show a mother's love to someone that's in need like Rufus's mom did. There's some of you that are biological moms, your biological grandmas. And there's some of you that you're biological aunts and your biological 
uh, sisters and all these things. You don't have biological children of your own. God can use the spiritual mom and God can use the biological mom. Do you see it played out right there in that verse? Rufus's mom and mine. Paul says this is his mom. Is that incredible? That she treated him like a mom. Now, can you just for a minute, Paul gets saved as an adult, so just go with me on some, just some, some poetic license here, okay? Let's picture Paul as a kid and Rufus's mom is being so sweet to him. Can you imagine, ladies, after baseball practice, you got your little bar there at the, the kitchen island, and then you're bringing out some cookies, and you bring out some cookies. You say, here, Paul, would you like a chocolate chip cookie? And Paul's sitting there as a little guy just swinging his feet at your table. And you say, Paul, I think God's going to use you for great things. You don't worry about what people think. You think so? You think so, Mrs. Rufus? Yeah, I do. Paul's the one that's opening up your fridge, that's your friend's best friend. Paul's the one that's in there. Now, of course, Paul gets saved as an adult. I'm just, I'm, just, I'm just painting the picture for us. This woman was the spiritual mom to the apostle Paul. And because of that, we've got most of the New Testament. She's a piece of that puzzle. Wow. So you spiritual moms and you ladies unmarried or without children, do not for a minute think you are less than. God can use you in a great way. And he says, greet Rufus's mom and my spiritual mom. Let me ask you, what's Rufus's mom's name? We don't know. But she affected the life of Paul. And you and I have Romans in our lap because Phoebe didn't lose the letter. Because there was a lady named Mary, and she's known unto the Lord only. We don't know who she is. We've got this letter, and Paul in this letter is saying there's a dainty and a delicate pair of twins, possibly, pair of sisters, possibly, and they said, we want to walk with God as strong women. And Rufus's mom took care of my heart and soul. Let me tell you what, everybody needs a mama. Everybody needs a mom. And you ladies, God's put something in you, whether you have a child or not, he has put a fingerprint of God in you that you are a caretaking, heart-driven woman of God that is better at that than we are as men. And we need you. We need you. We honor you. We respect you. We love you. Where would the church be without the women of the church? We'd be in a heap of trouble. That's where we'd be. So you be a servant-hearted blessing. You be a hard worker. I know it's hard. Remember that God can do a lot with a little and show a mother's love to someone in need. And you'll see Mother's Day is more than a day. It's a platform from which you to make a difference in the kingdom of God. Oh, Phoebe, don't lose the letter, Phoebe. Don't lose the letter. Oh, church, don't lose the letter. Don't lose the letter he's put in your heart. Father, we come in Jesus' name. We thank you, God. We thank you for the men of last week, yes, but we thank you in particular of the women of this week. There's so many spiritual moms in our church. We could just list them over and over that have just loved, 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 loved. There's biological moms and grandmas that have loved, loved, loved. Lord, we need them. We love them. We honor them today. We trust you. We thank you, God. 
We pray for the Davidson family that we saw the video story of. Continue the healing. Do your work, God. Powerful way, we trust you. We love you as men, as women, as children, as students, senior adults. We love Jesus. Don't let us lose the letter in our hearts, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the teaching ministry of Houston's First Baptist Church. We invite you to worship with us at one of our four locations, at The Loop, Cypress, Downtown, or Siena. Follow us on social media or visit us online at houstonsfirst.org.